Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We're continuing in our cross-shaped life, and I encourage you again just to look to our scripture that we're taking from this. It's from the Gospel of Mark chapter 8, and so if you have your Bibles, or you can even on the church app. Church app has a little thing down the bottom in the center that says Sunday service. If you click on that, it has a scripture and all those things. But we're in this series called The Cross-Shaped Life, and it's a series that we have for Lent. And if you were with us last week, just as a reminder, Lent is that 40-day period um, prior to Easter, excluding Sundays, uh, where we prepare our hearts, because our hearts get heavy. How many got a heavy heart? <laughs> our hearts get heavy, and our lives, we tend to take on things. And this is a good season just to unpack and as we get ready for the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's a time when I really encourage you just to allow the Holy Spirit to examine your life, just to unpack all the stuff, the things that get in, get in the way. And, and so if you were here last week, last week we talked about the step one, which is to deny yourself. This week we're talking about that step two that Jesus laid out. He was like, deny yourself. And then he said, what? And then carry your cross. Take up your cross. Take up your, your, your cross. And, and what Jesus is doing, he's, he's identifying this great paradox in life, this unpacking that he began to unpack to his disciples. And it's, it's, it's the truth in all of life that in order for new life to begin, in order for new growth to take place, there must be a death, right? There must be a death. Uh, we, we see this in nature. It's going to be a good word today. Don't worry about it. So it's a, it's a good word today because we know that it's in death that we find life. And Jesus did this. He explained it with an illustration from nature. When, when, he, when he, he said in John 12, he said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels of plentiful harvest. We know that in nature, unless a seed falls and dies, there's not going to be any new life. Uh, we know physically, right, that we build muscle, by we I mean mainly you, <laughs> we build muscle in our lives by breaking down the muscle, going through that difficult pain, and then as we rest, it rebuilds. But there has to be a tearing down in order for re- rebuilding to take, to take place. I mean, that's why many people stop after January, <laughs> because it becomes very too painful. Uh, we know this is true in relationships and friendships. You know, Jesus says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And, and then in Proverbs, it talks about ironing, sharpening iron. You know, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Have you ever seen that process? I remember, like, you know, I had a bench grinder one time, and I was sharpening a tool, and the first time I got it out, I was so excited. I mean, I was, oh, I was grunting. I was like, this is amazing. And I put it to it, and all of a sudden, sparks began to fly. And, I was, and, I was, I, and fear filled my heart because I thought I was going to burn down my garage, you know, already. Like, the first time I used the tool, and then I went on YouTube, and I learned that sparks are normal. And I went, well, thank God. And I got a fire extinguisher to put next to my bench. Because there's an action that takes place. The sharpening, the purifying, the growing, it involves this dying. It involves this action that takes place. And even spiritually, you know, to live as Christ, to die is gain. And Jesus even says here, if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. I mean, even one of the great leaders, Rocky Balboa, said, no pain, no gain, right? So um, we, we, we know this is true in all of it. 
And, you know, going through, so many of us through the COVID experience and that season experienced a lot of pain. And it caused me to, to lean into this great leadership book that uh, a good mentor of mine recommended by Samuel Chan. And Samuel Chan in this book called Leadership Pain, he describes this in this way. He says, do you want to be a, a better leader? Raise the threshold of your pain. How's that for a recruitment tactic? <laughs> you want to be a part of my team? Get ready to have pain. But here's what he says. He says, reluctance to face pain is your greatest limitation. There is no growth without change, no change without loss, and no loss without pain. And then he makes this statement. He says, you'll grow only to the threshold of your pain. If you're not hurting, you're not leading. So if you're hurting today, you're a great leader. <laughs> you're walking through. And we know that's true, isn't it? I mean, how many parents out there, you're like in the raising of your kids, you've endured great pain, <laughs> right? Or how many teachers, you're like in raising my students, I've experienced great pain. These are the things that we go through that are an important part of it. And we need to lean in it because if we ignore the pain or we shy away from the pain in life, even academically, when you go to school or you go online, whatever it is you're trying to learn, you know that the deeper you go, there's this greater of a tearing down. And you've got to be willing sometimes to let go of those things in order to learn. And Jesus said it this way. This is our scripture from Mark 8, 34, 35. Everything points back to Jesus. Every truth points back to him. And here's what Jesus said. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Last week we talked about the goal. The goal is following Christ. The goal is being like Christ. The goal is allowing his life to be in us. And so we deny ourselves, but now we got to take up our cross. So we're going to dive into this today. So before we do, can, can we just pray that, the, that these seeds would fall into fertile ground in our heart today? You're ready to receive this word from the Lord today. Father, we thank you. And so, Lord, as we gather around, body of Christ, friends, this is my family today. Lord, I pray that we would hear from you. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let it be your truth, your words and we give you all glory and honor. And everyone said together, amen. Amen. So Jesus says, take up your cross. Let's begin by just making sure we have a good understanding. Like, what is the cross? When we think about the cross, I think many of us may know. But I, th I think it's important to recognize that, you know, every religion has a symbol. Every business has an icon. Having an icon is part of the identity, right? You see the Nike swoosh and you have all these things that come into line for it. We, we see these symbols and we immediately know what it is. It's, 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 the, it's for the purpose of communicating it. And so for Christianity, this has typically been the cross of Christ, but it didn't start out that way. See, Jesus was a Jew, and the early Christians, they were, they were Jewish. But historically, uh, ancient Judaism, it avoided these visual signs and these symbols for fear of infringing on the second commandment. Because the second commandment is, you shall have no God before me, no graven image, no nothing, right? You're not going you know, to walk in and see the statue of God, it was a very clear command that, that, that uh, we're not to have any other gods in our life. And so they stayed away from a lot of these icons. And as it related to the early church, 
even if they were going to look for a symbol that represented who they were as Christians, the cross was a tough metaphor for them. Because for the, for the early church, and in that time, in that Roman era where they dominate the era, you know, death was not just a metaphor, right? They weren't just saying, you know, to, you know, to live as Christ and to die as gain. There was real persecution taking place. The early Christians were persecuted, they were arrested, and at times they were even killed and tortured for their faith. In the ancient Roman world, identifying with the cross even was a shameful thing because the cross was something that the Roman government that they used to, uh, pers- to torture and kill the worst of the worst in that day. These were the criminals, these were people where it was a long process that was dragged out. So the world that Jesus was talking to, the, the, the cross to them, it represented crime, punishment, shame, and death. And crucifixion, even historians, when they look back, historians will tell us that it's one of the most horrific forms of death and punishment that was invented by barbarians and was adopted by the Romans and the Greeks. And it was so horrific that it was not even permitted to be used on Roman citizens. If you were a citizen of Rome, you weren't even allowed to do that to Roman citizens. Listen to what the Roman Emperor Cicero said. He said, the very word cross should be far removed not only from the person of a Roman citizen, but from their thoughts, their eyes, their ears. For it is not only the actual occurrence of these things, that is the procedures of crucifixion, or the endurance of them, but liability to them. The expectation, indeed, the mere mention of them That is unworthy of a Roman citizen and a free man. Even Cicero was saying that. So for the early Christians to use the cross as their identifier would be to identify with Christ, which would result in persecution, but also to identify with criminals, which is persecution. To them, the, the cross was a shameful thing. That's why when, you, when, you know, when they went into the catacombs, right? When they went to the catacombs, these were the underground burial places outside of Rome. Uh, this, this is where persecuted Christians would often hide. Some of the earliest symbols and motifs that, that, that seemed to be there, either non-committal paintings of, or whatever, they, they would see things of like, 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 like a peacock painted by Christians, which symbolize immortality or a dove uh, or the athlete's victory palm or, in particular, a fish, right? And we, we still have that fish today, and I think we have a graphic up here for it. But when you looked at, that, at the fish, maybe you'll see it on someone's car that's there, um, this was actually an, an, an acronym because the Greek worm was ichthys, which, which, was an, which was an acronym that meant Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. This is how that became. And, and the fish was also an identifier with the words of Jesus and the calling for discipleship, to, to drop your nets, to follow me, and to become fishers of people, right? But as Christianity progressed, as it got further and further down the line, there was a need to return to the cross, Christians needed to be reminded of the power of the cross as followers of the cross because this is where our lives are changed at the foot of the cross of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you want to be like me, you want to walk in the power of me, you deny yourself and you take up your cross. Because here's the thing, when we miss the cross, we miss Jesus. You skip the cross, you're skipping Jesus. See, many 
love to identify with the birth of Jesus. We all love Christmas, right? You'll go in stores, and you'll hear the joy of the world, and you'll hear all these songs. And I remember walking through stores, and I'm like, do they recognize the depth of the theology that's being played now over all these stores, right? And you hear all these Christmas things. The whole world joins in singing joy of the world. But when you get to Easter, they're not, they're not playing, deny yourself and die for him, right? No one's singing that. We love the gifts. We love all that stuff. And many will even identify with Christ's teachings because the teachings of Christ, they benefit everybody, right? The rain falls on the just and the unjust, and and it refreshes everybody. And the greatest leaders in the world that may not even call themselves Christians, they find themselves studying the teachings of Christ because they work and they found success. But to become a Christian, a fully devoted follower of Christ, to have the life-changing power that Jesus talked about that's offered to all of us and calls us to, we must identify with the cross of Jesus Christ. This is where, we, where we're changed. See, it's on the cross where Jesus, he carried all of my sin. That's all the stuff that was out of alignment, everything that I've done, all my shame. He carried this. He was the perfect price because without this, we are separated from God. See, I was, when I was born, I was born into sin. Now, many may have seen a cute little Dwayne baby, but the reality is, as I walked through, I was born into this world as a sinner. And, and a lot of times it's not talked about because it it's kind of shameful. And we try to hide the things that we're ashamed of, but the reality is the same. I needed rescuing. I needed a mediator between me and God. And I needed somebody to pay for all those things. This is what Jesus did on the cross. That's why if you bypass it, you bypass God. You bypass that whole process. See, as we sang earlier, I'm so glad I met Jesus. And as as I was sitting down there, or standing down there, worshiping the Lord this, this morning, my mind went back to when I met Jesus. See, I I grew up in a church. I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up with so much goodness. But I was just, a lot of times I was around it. And then I hit this time that every parent knows, you know, like the junior high years, right? I was really nice to my parents until I became a junior higher. (laughs) And then I'm like, they don't know everything. They don't understand everything. They're not there. And I began to kind of go through my stuff. And things were awakening and hormones were raging and all this kind of stuff, right? If you want to know more, talk to my sisters. And all this stuff's coming through. And I remember I was coming to a crossroads of what do I want to do. And I was in a high school assembly and a teen challenge group came through. How many of you are familiar with teen, teen challenge? Powerful. They came through and it was all these guys up, up there and they were talking about their stories and they were singing. I remember the guitarist had an ovation guitar and I'd never seen that before. I was like, that is so cool. I now have an ovation guitar. But, they, but there was something about the Spirit of the Lord pouring through them. And in that moment, everything that was in my heart and my mind that I was wrestling with all of a sudden came together. And I met Jesus. Now, I knew about him. I was around him. I went to the altar almost every Sunday school time and gave my life to Christ. But in that moment, there was something different. There was something that cemented I fell before the cross of Jesus. I confessed my sin. I was, I was sincerely sorry for everything. 
And Jesus met me and he changed me as I denied myself and I picked up the cross because I recognized in the moment one of the things that they talked about was the holiness of God, that God is holy. And see, when we recognize that, that God, the maker of the universe, the one who speaks and it happens, when the Bible talks about people who have come face to face to that, where they've walked into the presence of God, they immediately are reminded of their imperfections. They're immediately reminded of, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. Lord, do your work in me. And they fall to their knees in the presence of God. See, sometimes we think about God as being just this person that we can kind of talk of everything, and he'll understand and he'll do that, and he will forgive. But to forgive, there needs to be that that repentance. This is what the cross does, and it reconciles. That happened for me in that moment. And I went home and I said, Mom, I became a Christian today. And Mom began crying. She was like, I thought you already were a Christian, Dwayne. <laughs> I began explaining. I said, no, you don't understand. Yes, I love God. I know about it. But today, I met him today. Because I was, for the first time, I was really denying myself. Now, there's, there's a story of sanctification that goes on after that. But I walk, walking with Jesus. This is what we're talking about. This is what the cross does. This is what Jesus did for us. See, the cross was the focus of Jesus' life. It was the focus of his life when he came in. He revealed who he was, and then he began to talk about the cross. And that's when people started to step off. And they started to step back. Because this is when it gets real. His whole life was there. It's about reconciling humanity. It's about pulling in. It's about denying myself. That's why Jesus said, you deny yourself. But now you got to carry your cross. So how do I carry my cross? How do I carry my cross? What does that look like? What Jesus was talking about in that moment, that the disciples, they couldn't understand... They were blown away by it. They couldn't, even Peter, if you were here last week, you know that as Jesus began to talk about it, Peter even started to rebuke him. But what Jesus was talking about is he was talking about taking on a different identity. That when we follow after Jesus, becoming like Christ means I put aside myself and I take on now the identity of Christ. See, when we think about Jesus, and when we think about taking on the identity, we tend to think about all the things that we want. Sometimes we think like we're trying just to fill our Amazon shopping cart, right? I'll take this part, and this part, and this part, and this part. I'll take on the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. I'll take on all those things. I'll take the walking on water. I'll take the taking the bread and the fish, and I'll take how people loved him and how they celebrated him. I'll take all of those things. But that's not all that Jesus was. It's not all that Jesus is. See, the image of the cross that is portrayed in the cross is one of a servant. And this is the one that we struggle with. Whether we've been serving the Lord for one day or we've been serving the Lord for decades. That's why as we look to this, I think Philippians 2 is a great reminder. I was listening to a pastor this past week on a podcast. And he was talking about a difficult transition of walking through and he was thinking about you know, what leadership means and how he had to respond in that moment and how he had to be had to be all that. And he talked to his mentor and he said, you know, you're trying to be this person. He said, the pastor you need to be right now is the Philippians 2 pastor. And here's what the Philippians 2 pastor is. It says, Philippians 2 starting verse 3, it says, 
Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Anybody saying guilty so far? Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now that humble part, a lot of times we think about humble being a woe is me, but there's two types of humility, and I love how Tim Keller unpacks that. When he talks about denying yourself and that humility, that it's, humility is not a woe is me. Humility is thinking about yourself less, not thinking about less than yourself. Because Keller talks about how when you talk to any group of people, there's always two types of people in the group. There's people that think they're so good that they don't need Jesus, and there's people that think they're so bad that Jesus would never receive them because they're caring so strong. Two types. Both types need to surrender themselves. So he says for people who think they're too good, they've got to be convinced, no, listen, we are all sinners saved by grace. And for those that they're so down, like, why would Jesus love me? You say, no, Jesus made you and he created you. And we meet at the cross. This is the power of the cross. Because Philippians 2 continues to go on. It's like, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, just as Jesus they're talking about. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So how do we take on, how do we carry our cross? We identify with Christ. My identity is now Jesus. And when we do this, this identity, it begins with surrender. Surrender is a big part of our identity. This is what Jesus did. He laid it all down. See, when there's a cross on your back, everything becomes the cross that's on your back. You can't deny it, you can't escape it, you feel it. It's what people see It even affects how you walk. It affects how you talk. It affects how you feel. See, Paul describes this as being that living sacrifice in Romans 12 where he says, I'm alive in Christ, but I'm dead to myself. Romans 12 says, and look, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will. How many of you want to know God's will today for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect? He's saying, look, deny yourself. you got to lay it down. Don't copy the world. This is a transformative work because the cross transforms us, and it will shape us as we take on the cross. So we identify with the surrender that Jesus did while walking his way. But then we also identify with the shame. Amen and amen. We identify with the shame. See, we identify with the shame. See, people misunderstood Christ, and they will misunderstand us. I think that's one of the greatest fears. Like, one of the things that's toughest for me is when somebody misunderstands me. You ever been there? You know? And yeah, sometimes it may be because they weren't listening, but sometimes it may be because I wasn't talking right. Have you ever wanted to go back and like just re-edit? I mean, if, you know, if I had, you know, there's these movies where you can kind of, you can go back and you can time jump and you can do that. Thank God that's not there because I'd always be going back. It's like, no, I didn't quite get it right. I mean, I would never age because I want to make sure that I'm being understood. 
But Jesus said, look, the message of, or actually Paul talking about this in 1 Corinthians, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved, we know it is the very, very power of God. See, that word foolish is translated as madness. The cross is madness to people. Why would I do that? Why would I surrender? Why would I carry a cross? That's complete madness to the world that we're in. But to those of us who are being saved, who know it, Paul's saying, look, this is the power of God. There's a power here. But when I take on the cross, I need to be willing to be misunderstood. I need to be willing to be ridiculed, to be made fun of, to be left out of things. And I need to be willing to be lonely at times. Samuel Chan recognized it earlier. The the ability that we have to lead is in direct correlation to the amount of pain that we're willing to endure. See, when there's an awareness in my life of how much I need, need Jesus, I welcome the cross because this is where I confess. Do you know how many days a week I confess? Seven. <laughs> All right, my name is Dwayne. I'm your pastor. I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace because every morning I, I get around his cross. I say, Lord, forgive me. God, why are you you using me? And it comes back to a simple answer, surrender. It's not about you, Dwayne. Think about yourself less. You ever thought that? I have both types of friends. I have have friends that they struggle with pride and going, man, God, if you would just let me free, I could do it. (laughs) Right? And then there are others going, God, I can't do anything. We both meet at the cross and we go, God, as I decrease, you increase in my life. Whichever direction we're coming from, this needs to be a daily act. See, when I'm blind to my need for Jesus, it, it makes no sense. I thought to be a fool. Taking on the cross means that I'm willing to endure it. And it means that I actually expect this. Not everyone's going to understand. Not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to laugh at my jokes. I mean, it's just, it's a reality of life that we walk through. Because see, when we take on the cross, We are taking on the cross of Jesus. We're identifying with him. Did everybody understand Jesus? No. Did everybody understand him? No. We need to be willing to take that on. And you know, these first two things can be very difficult, and that's why people kind of stop, right? You count the cost, and you're like, ah, I don't want to take that on. But we need to step beyond that, because here's the power. Because when we do that, when we deny ourselves, when we take on that, we find in Jesus a savior. I am saved. Now there was a time when they, they would tell people, you know, don't use the word saved. It's outdated. It's out there. You don't know what's going on. You know, I even had, had one Christian leader one time, you know, don't tell people that they need to be rescued. That's demeaning to them. And I'm like, if you don't know that you need to be rescued, you're going to drown. Have you ever tried to save somebody that was like, I don't need saving, and they're just kind of flailing, and they're out there, you know? They teach lifeguards in that moment to sometimes actually knock them out (laughs) because they're flailing, I don't need help, and they've got to get control so they can rescue them to bring them in. We need to be saved because as I do this, I'm identifying with Christ as my Savior. I'm made clean, I'm restored. And what this means is that I'm removed from all the things that are tangling me up, even the things I don't know about, things I don't realize, 
things that I'm enjoying. And Jesus is saying, are you ready to get rid of it? Do you want to walk in the power? You need to allow me to rescue you, to surrender your life, and to give it that you're not worried about people misunderstanding, that you're walking in the power and the authority that comes from God as we do this. And as he does it, he saves us. There's a freedom that comes in my life. All guilt is removed. All shame is removed. Because when I really think about it, guilt and shame can come in because that's where the enemy comes in. The enemy comes in to destroy my life, to put shame in my life. When I fall at the cross of Jesus, he forgives me. Now I am free. I am renewed because I'm saved. I'm rescued. See, when Jesus does this, the Bible says that we become a new creation. 2 Corinthians says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. I've denied that part of my life. And it says this new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of now reconciling people to him. This is the power of the cross as we walk in it. And as we go through, what this means is that when God made you, he made you in his image, but we're born in sin. We mess all this stuff up. And now we're a new creation. And there's things that he's brought in us. There's things that he's deposited. There's giftings. There's skills. Whether it's a teacher or a doctor or an educator or a craftsperson, whatever that may be, the Lord brings this in and he brings these skills and these abilities out as we bring it. It's all made new. It's restored as we deny ourselves. This is the power and the, and the strength. He only saves us, but then he strengthens us. We identify with the strength of Christ. We are now filled and we're empowered by the Spirit of God. And this is a great mystery. This is a great mystery. As we surrender, as we endure the shame, we're saved and we're strengthened by Christ. As we die, we live. As we decrease, he increases in our life. This is where we experience the power. Because again, just like the seed that needs to fall and die for new life, to be born, we need to be willing to die so that now new life can be brought into us. But we find ourselves holding on to this little seed. We're afraid to, to die to ourselves. That's why Jesus, time and time again, teaching his disciples that our strength is in direct correlation to our dependence on Christ, which is our death to ourselves. I need to push to the side. See, the world doesn't need Dwayne doing Dwayne things. The world needs to see me being filled with the power of Christ. They need to see the miracle of Jesus, not what me kind of showing what I can do. See, our resources and our own are limited. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much talent you got. There's a limit to it. I love how Ephesians says that it is this unlimited riches that God has. See, when we take our cross and we're completely dependent on him, there's a supernatural power that comes in place. You know, Ephesians 3 says this. It says, when I, when I think about all this, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, he's like, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you what? Trust 
As you trust him, he says, look, your roots will grow deep into God's love, and they will keep you strong. He says, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And then he says, may you experience the love of Christ because you can understand it fully. He tells them all these things. And he's like, look, you need to experience this because you can't understand it. We worship the Lord with our mind. We study. We dig in. But he's like, I want you to experience this because you can't fully understand all of this. And then he says, why? Then you will be made complete. Then you will have the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. This is identity of Jesus, of all of it, denying ourselves, laying ourselves down, the sin and the shame, being willing to be misunderstood, being willing to throw it out there, to be ridiculed, to be pushed to the side. That God, even if I lose my job, you're my provider. You can give back more than I could ever do on myself. Now, make sure it's God speaking to you. Because there's times that I've seen that and someone said, was that God? I'm like, I don't know if that was God. <laughs> there's times I've done stuff. We're people led by the Spirit. We need to make sure that we're following in that. But when we step in that moment and we do that, I've seen the Lord do that. There is nothing like it. You want to experience the fullness of God? Deny yourself. Trust Him. Trust Him and step into those moments. That's happened for me in job interviews. Now, when you're interviewing for a church, Scripture's great. But when you're interviewing for a job that's not in the church, what does that look like? And I was in this one job interview, and all of a sudden, all the Scripture kept coming, and I kept saying it, and I was like, God, what are you doing? I'm not going to get this job. I'm, I'm hoping to get this job so I can share the love of Christ. What's going on? And Scripture kept coming up. And I knew the person I was talking to was not a believer. But I just kept doing it. I'm going, I'm not going to get that job. But then he started responding to the scripture. He started speaking it back. He's like, how do you know all this wisdom? How do you know all this? I'm like, it's the Bible. It's God. It's there. And I got the job. We trust him. That's why Paul says, what will we say about such wonderful things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Why would I trust myself when there's unlimited power and resources See, this is the power of the cross. The device that was meant to kill us will now raise us up with new life as we trust him, as we deny ourselves. Because here's the thing, your biggest enemy is yourself. Your biggest enemy is all these thoughts that come at you that either say, you're no good, you're no good, or you're awesome, <laughs> right? It's here, no, I die to myself. To live is Christ, to die is gain. See, this is why so many of us, we fail to walk in the power of Christ because we're just living a nominal life. We fail to carry a cross. We, have, we really have yet to die to ourselves. To walk in that power. And you find yourself drained. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So I'm like, God, what yoke do I have on me? <laughs> Am I carrying stuff you didn't call me to carry? Is there pain? Yes. Is there persecution? Yes. But as we walk in this, there's this strength. It's the cross. See, when we go out on this journey, when we go out on this, whatever, you know, like backpacking, when we forget the cross of Christ, it's like getting at the trailhead and whoever's leading that journey looks at you and is like, where's your backpack? Where's your stuff? 
Where's your food? Where's your, where's your tent? I think sometimes we try to walk in the power of God, and we're not carrying a cross. We haven't denied ourselves. It's like, look, you're not going to make it. You're not going to do all. You're not going to. You're not going to enjoy it. There's great difficulty, but there's great power in it. We need to walk in this. As the worship team comes today, and before we conclude, there's just one more thing that, I, that the Lord drew my attention to this past week, I believe. Tell me if this resonates with you. Because I've, again, I've done all the Sunday school, I've done all the flannel graphs, I've done all the videos, I've done all this. I've, I've heard this all my life. And the power of God's word is that the deeper I dig, the more I see. Do you know who the Lord brought to my attention as I was reading this this past week? Simon of Cyrene. Have you heard of him? In Mark 15, 21, it says, this is as Jesus is carrying his cross. It says, they compelled him. These were the soldiers beating him, torturing him. As he's bringing the cross to Golgotha, these soldiers, they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country. father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry Jesus' cross. Man, that, that blew up in my spirit this past week. Here's what God was reminding me. He was, he was reminding Dwayne, you're never alone. You're always surrounded. So when we take our cross, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's very difficult. We take these stances at work, at home, and we're walking, we're trying to do it. And we're mistreated, we're misunderstood. We're... All things work to the good for those who love the Lord, but that good can be like a process sometimes. Sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it takes long. But see, what, what the Lord was speaking to me, that in that moment when Jesus was carrying our cross, our sin, our shame. His disciples, confused, scared, running. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing? The Lord was telling me that even when, uh, when people, if your friends abandon you, if your family abandons you, if you, whoever feels that's abandoning, God will even... Use your enemies. God will bring a stranger just walking through to help you, to be with you. You're never alone. You know, it made me think about that wonderful scripture from Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. We're surrounded by this huge, vast host of witnesses that they're calling you by name, they're cheering for you today. But then the writer of Hebrews says, look, we, we run this race with endurance by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Here's why. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross. He disregarded its shame. And now... He's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. And the writer says, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people 
then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your life to the struggle against sin. He's telling us, you are never alone. Wherever you are, even in my darkest hour when I've looked up, Jesus met me there. There's times he's had to strip aside everything. There's times he's brought me low. But in that moment, as I looked up and I saw, I was like, Jesus, you are here. You are with me. And my prayer is, God, how much do you need to tear me down in order for me to see you? But when I really see him, when I really experience the love, I'm like, Jesus, do what you need to do. I just want to see you. I just want to know you. I just want to walk in your power. I want my kids to see your power in my life. Not for my gain, but so that they'll know you, that they'll hunger and thirst. That they'll follow me as I follow Jesus. I want Shoreline Community Church to be led by a pastor that experiences the power of God in his life. Not because I see how great Dwayne is, but when we do that, it's like, well, it's obvious it's Jesus. I want people to come into this place and experience the body of Christ that is is so dead to themselves that Jesus is so alive. That changes the world. That changes your life. It changes your family. It changes the neighborhood because it's the power of God. Amen? Amen, amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that we do once a month and how appropriate it is now is there's times when we have communion stations you walk to, but when you came in today, you hopefully you picked one up, and if you need one, we have some wonderful people that would like to bring you one. So if you need communion, if you just raise your hand, and we'll be glad to bring you some. But I'd love for as many as would like to just to, just to take this, because this is, this is the response today. Because Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, he said, Re- remember me, identity, identify with Jesus. You see, Satan will say, do all this stuff, identify with me, so you can have fun in the moment and then die. Jesus says, I want you to die to yourself so that you can live, so that you can run the race with endurance, so that you can do infinitely more than you could ever ask, imagine, or hope for through the power of Jesus. That's why Jesus said every time you eat or drink, think about this. The bread that represents his body that was broken for me. And the cup that represents his blood. And I want to invite you to, let's take the bread first because that's what Jesus did. And before you do this, this is the question that God asked Adam and he asked us, where are you? Where are you today? Where do you find yourself? You know, as I was praying through this, I, I just went through, you know, as we had talked about several of these identity things with Jesus, you know, the, the surrender, the shame, the savior, the strength of surrounded. Are there any of these that you find yourself struggling with today? Maybe you're like, you know what, I really struggle with surrender. There's a trust issue there, whatever it may be. Or maybe it's a shame. You're like, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I want to be well thought of. 
I get it. I want to be well thought of. Or maybe it's a savior. I've never given my life to Christ. Or the strength, I want to experience that power that comes. Or maybe you feel alone today. Maybe you need to be reminded of that. Whatever that is, I want you to bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm trusting you with this. And then break that bread as a sign of surrender, as a sign of the shame, as a sign of the Savior, as a sign of the strength, and say, Lord, be alive in me. I give my life to you. I surrender it to you. I'm not going to walk in my strength, not going to walk in my power anymore. But I give it to you and just break it. And then receive that this morning. Would you receive the bread? Mm. Amen. We trust you, Lord. May we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great for us to fully understand. And then just turn to the little bit of grape juice here. And peel that back. This, this represents Jesus' blood. Real pain. He didn't shield himself from the pain. He did a crucifixion that was so horrific that even Roman citizens couldn't even think about it. And he did that for me, he did that for you. But now we could follow him and we can walk in the healing that he has for us as we trust him. You know, the Bible talks about the blood of Jesus as healing us as restoring us. There's life in the blood. That as I die to myself, I live. If you want life, you gotta die to yourself. Just give that to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I, I drink this cup now as a sign of surrender. I receive the life you have for me. I receive the walk you have for me. I give to you every circumstance, every situation, job, work, relationships, friendships, family. I trust you. I know that you're going to help me. I know you're going to walk with me. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, I'm not going to fear because you're with me. Receive that healing today. Let's drink the cup together. Amen. Let's all stand today. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. Maybe you need to take a little extra step today as we all stand, stand if you can. But maybe you need to take a step and just, you need to pray with somebody. Say, would you pray for me? I, I just need to say this to somebody. Speak out to somebody today. Respond in some way. Let's respond. Let's receive that new life today as we identify with Jesus. As I was reflecting, I was thinking about, after all of this, and again, thinking about the disciples, everything they went through, what the expectations, can't even imagine what they were thinking as they walked through, you know, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection. Before the cross, they were still trying to do it on their own. They were still responding in their own ways and just messing things up. That's the learning process, <laughs> After the cross, after the death, the resurrection, as they embraced it. Do you know what was said about them? How are these unlearned men doing this? See, they, they knew each other. They knew Peter. They knew all, they knew what was happening. The Apostle Paul, 
How did he go from killing Christians to now laying down his life to being in prison and saying, I'd rather stay here and reach guards than even leave this place? They embraced the power of the cross of denying themselves, taking up the cross, following Jesus. They received the power. When the power of God is in your life, people will stand and wonder, how is she doing that? I know the whole I know the old she, and I know now the new person. They look the same, but they're different. This is the power of the cross. This is the power of denying yourself, being willing to die to myself and saying, okay, (laughs) I give up, I surrender. I take it, and there's a power. You want the power? This, This is the path. I pray that as you walk through this week and as we continue through this Lenten season, that you will embrace it. Embrace the power of Jesus in your life. I'm praying that prayer of Paul in Ephesians that it's beyond anything you can understand, but yet you would experience the love of Christ so powerfully so that your roots will grow deep. You would trust him in your marriage. You would trust him in your home. You would trust him in all of this. You would trust him with people that misunderstand you. You got anybody important in your life that misunderstands you? You find the power at the cross. So, Lord, we decrease so that you would increase. Help us to walk in your power, in your strength, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. Thank you for hanging around till noon today. Um, let me encourage you, if you want to still pray with somebody, these are wonderful people. They're going to stay and hang out. Come up and pray. If you need to go to the wall, do that. Talk to somebody. If you need to invite somebody out to lunch and say, God's speaking to me. Can we process this a little bit? Break bread together and talk about Jesus. Amen. This is our benediction as we go today, as we do what we just sang about. Would you say this together? May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. I love you guys so much.